Chapter Two of Peter Simple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. Peter Simple by Frederick Marriott. Chapter Two. Fitting out on the shortest notice. Fortunately for me, this day Mr. Handycock is not a bear, and I fare very well. I set off for Portsmouth behind the coach i meet a man before the mast he is disguised with liquor but it's not the only disguise i fall in with in my journey the next morning mr handycock appeared to be in somewhat better humour one of the linen drapers who fitted out cadets etc on the shortest notice was sent for and orders given for my equipment which mr handycock insisted should be ready on the day afterwards or the articles would be left on his hands adding that my place was already taken in the portsmouth coach the man made his promise took my measure and departed and soon afterwards mr handycock also quitted the house at four o'clock mr handycock rapped at the door and was let in but not by me he ascended the stairs with three bounds and coming into the parlour cried well nancy my love how are you then stooping over her give me a kiss old girl i'm as hungry as a hunter mr simple how do you do i hope you have passed the morning agreeably i must wash my hands and change my boots my love i am not fit to sit down to table with you in this pickle well polly how are you i'm glad you're hungry my dear i've such a nice dinner for you replied the wife all smiles jemima be quick and dish up mr handycock is so hungry yes marm replied the cook and mrs handycock followed her husband into his bedroom on the same floor to assist him at his toilet by jove nancy the bulls have been nicely taken in said mr handycock as we sat down to dinner oh i am so glad replied his wife giggling and so i believe she was but why i did not understand we both had our share to-day and i never saw a man more polite than mr handycock he joked with his wife asked me to drink wine with him two or three times talked about my grandfather and in short we had a very pleasant evening the next morning all my clothes came home but mr handycock who still continued in good humour said that he would not allow me to travel by night that i should sleep there and set off the next morning which i did at six o'clock and before eight i had arrived at the elephanton castle where we stopped for a quarter of an hour i observed a crowd assembled at the corner and asking a gentleman who sat by me in a plaid cloak whether there was not something very uncommon to attract so many people he replied not very for it is only a drunken sailor i rose from my seat which was on the hinder part of the coach that i might see him for it was a new sight to me and excited my curiosity when to my astonishment he staggered from the crowd and swore that he'd go to portsmouth he climbed up by the wheel of the coach and sat down by me i believe that i stared at him very much for he said to me what are you gaping at you young sculpin do you want to catch flies or did you never see a chap half seas over before i replied that i had never been at sea in my life but that i was going well then you're like a bear with all your sorrows to come that's all my hearty replied he when you get on board you'll find monkey's allowance more kicks than halfpence i say you pewter carrier bring us another pint of ale the waiter of the inn who was attending the coach brought out the ale half of which the sailor drank and the other half threw into the waiter's face telling him that was his allowance and now said he what's to pay the waiter who looked very angry but appeared too much afraid of the sailor to say anything answered fourpence and the sailor pulled out a handful of banknotes mixed up with gold silver and coppers and was picking out the money to pay for his beer 
when the coachman, who was impatient, drove off. "'There's cut and run,' cried the sailor, thrusting all the money into his breeches pocket. "'That's what you'll learn to do, my joker, before you have been two cruises to sea.' In the meantime, the gentleman in the plaid cloak, who was seated by me, smoked his cigar without saying a word. I commenced a conversation with him relative to my profession, and asked him whether it was not very difficult to learn. "'Larn!' cried the sailor, interrupting us. "'No, it may be difficult for such chaps as me before the mast to learn, but you, I presume, is a reefer, and they ain't got much to learn. Cause why? They pipe clays their weekly accounts, and walks up and down with their hands in their pockets.' You must learn to chaw becky, drink grog, and call the cat a beggar. And then you knows all a midshipman's expected to know nowadays. Aren't I right, sir? said the sailor, appealing to the gentleman in a plaid cloak. I axes you because I see you're a sailor by the cut of your jib. Beg pardon, sir, continued he, touching his hat. Hope no offence. I am afraid that you have nearly hit the mark, my good fellow, replied the gentleman. Whenever the coach stopped, the sailor called for more ale and always threw the remainder which he could not drink into the face of the man who brought it out for him just as the coach was starting off and then tossed the pewter pot on the ground for him to pick up he became more tipsy every stage and the last from portsmouth when he pulled out his money he could find no silver so he handed down a note and desired the waiter to change it the waiter crumpled it up and put it into his pocket and then returned the sailor the change for a one-pound note but the gentleman in the plaid had observed that it was a five-pound note which the sailor had given, and insisted upon the waiter producing it, and giving the proper change. The sailor took his money, which the waiter handed to him, begging pardon for the mistake, although he coloured up very much at being detected. "'I really beg your pardon,' said he again. "'It was quite a mistake.' Whereupon the sailor threw the pewter pot at the waiter, saying, "'I really beg your pardon, too,' and with such force that it flattened upon the man's head, who fell senseless on the road the coachman drove off and i never heard whether the man was killed or not i inquired of the gentleman how soon we should be at portsmouth he answered that we were passing the lines but i saw no lines and i was ashamed to show my ignorance he asked me what ship i was going to join i could not recollect her name but i told him it was painted on the outside of my chest which was coming down by the wagon all that i could recollect was that it was a french name have you no letter of introduction to the captain said he yes i have replied i and i pulled out my pocket-book in which the letter was captain savage h m s diomede continued i reading to him to my surprise he very coolly proceeded to open the letter which when i perceived what he was doing occasioned me immediately to snatch the letter from him stating my opinion at the same time that it was a breach of honour and that in my opinion he was no gentleman just as you please youngster replied he recollect you have told me i am no gentleman he wrapped his plaid around him and said no more i was not a little pleased at having silenced him by my resolute behaviour chapter two